What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by one of the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller. Tim, how long do you think it would take for you to learn how to do that thing where you cr- you cr- uncross your eyes, that you can go the opposite way, like in a guana? You know what I mean? You ever seen somebody who's got that talent? I'm really bad at learning new things. Like recently, sure. I was thinking about if I had to use my left hand, and now I was just, I have one week. I'd be screwed. If I had a year, I'd be screwed. It doesn't matter. There's no doing anything with this. I like think if you had a year, you could get in. In a in year, general. you could get into it. I don't know, man. And I know this because back in the day when I was a, a little kid growing up in the streets of San Francisco, sure. and I was uh, you know, so impressed by Tony Hawk's pro skater, I was like, I'm going to be a skater boy. Someday someone's going to say, see you later, boy. But before yeah. they do that, I got I'm going to be able to do a whole bunch of sweet kickflips and stuff. And so I got a skateboard, and I was really into it. But – I like could only ride Mongo, which means you're pushing with uh, the foot that goes in the front instead of how you're supposed to do it, which is pushing with the foot in the back. Really fucks you up if you're a skater. Like limits your tricks you could do, limits your mobility and all this stuff. And I tried to force myself to to not do that, and I couldn't because I'm a dumb kid. And now I'm just a big dumb kid, Greg. Didn't I'm Tony saying, Hawk teach you how to do a kickflip? It didn't teach me. I mean, he showed you. Point, he showed me, and I then did one. I think I can do a kickflip, but I can't do others. Here's the thing, and I don't mean—I mean this with all due respect. Wait, you can do a kickflip? Get him a skateboard right now, blessing. He I'm has on one it. in his hallway. Okay, hold on. I, I want to go back to something. When you when you said, "Didn't Tony Hawk teach you how to do a kickflip?" <laughs> do you mean the game or the person? No, the, the no, man. the person. The, he was doing a like playground tour. Or I don't know. That's probably not what it was. Now that I think that's about not it. creepy as hell. Grown man, Tony Hawk. <laughs> it was one of those weird fucking like you know pop up events going around promoting something. It wasn't the game. I think it was. It might have been his like <laughs> boom boom huck jam or whatever the fuck. <laughs> boom boom huck jam. You know what I'm talking about, Greg? No. It was a boom boom huck jam. I don't remember what that is, but like it was something related to Tony Hawk. Uh, anyways, oh, he was going around uh, skating and stuff, and I saw him at a at a local playground. And I had my skateboard, and he was really cool to me. And then he did a kickflip, and he tried to get me to do a kickflip, and then I did a kickflip. Super mean to Nick, like, though. Super mean Sounds like Nick. a story I would have made up in elementary school. Yeah, <laughs> but 100%. like t- adult Tim telling like telling me this, I'm like, I, there's no reason I can't believe you. Like this, yeah. there's no reason why you would lie about this. Which now, is awesome. could I still do a kickflip? It's very unlikely. But Dude, I guarantee get the skateboard. Get... It's in the hallway. I mean, you can't just do it on it. It's just a deck. That's yeah, Tim, you, wheels wheels are too dangerous for you right now. <laughs> you can't, I can't kickflip with just a deck. I could probably get the flip motion, but I wouldn't be able to land it. You know? Have you looked I up Boom Boom Hawk Jam? I have. It did it did, it did immediately pop up. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Tony Hawk, uh, Wikipedia, Boom Boom Hawk Jam. In 2002, Hawk started a, a show tour featuring freestyle motocross, skateboarding, and BMX. It started in Las Vegas and went on to 31 cities. So, yeah, there, there's your Boom All Boom All this lines jam. up. It all adds up. There we uh, go. I think you could do it. I think if you took one year and only used your left hand, like it was a, a mental choice, you could you you'd be proficient by the end of the year. Tim, you give me permission. I'll get a baseball bat, and we'll make sure you can only use your left hand. Don't think we have to do that. Don't think we have to do that. We also have the new face of video games, blessing Adeoye Junior. It's me, Kevin. I'm gonna need you to give me the one. 
if that's possible, if that's within your arsenal. Of, you of just ability. saw him for you 35 just, minutes. You just <laughs> saw kind of him. You, you can do it. I, I mean, it's going to take a minute. You can't just, why wouldn't you like message me earlier being like, hey, this is what I'm going to need from you, Kevin. I, I didn't know I was going to need this until until Greg asked Tim if he could do the iguana eye thing. And I'm happy to report. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold it. Hold it. I'm working on giving you the one. So don't, don't just do you it. You cannot do the iguana eye thing, Blessing. Now, like to be clear, you're talking about like make your eyes go different directions, right? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can make that. I can make one eye do that. Like, I, I can make care. one That's I can make enough. one eye go back and forth. All right, hold in on. In the land of no iguanas, one eye is king. You know what I mean? I have to, like, I have to like get. Sure. Yeah, you got to get in okay, character. Right? Yeah, take, yeah, I have to hold on. Yeah, I, I want to full screen you too. I want to full screen you here. And it's easier if I can see myself do it. Hold on. Okay. All right, I'm really nervous. You should be. Hold up. Look at it go. I see it drifting. Oh yeah, it's drifting. I like had to concentrate to do it. Oh, <laughs> Tim, how, how do you not remember you? that I could do this, Tim? Did it take you a year to do this? Did it take you a year to do this? I know how I figured out I could do it. Like, I think I just got distracted one time, and then I realized that one eye was drifting off, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Somebody should do something about that. <laughs> I should go see a doctor. <laughs> I should talk to somebody about this, but. Oh, man. Really good have... bull shock that, like, the analog stick is just kind of broken on the left side. Yeah. <laughs> and I got Joy-Con <laughs> drifting eyes. <laughs> we have the former and former Imran Khan. Kevin, I appreciate you, and not enough people tell you that. It, yeah. It's just like it, I have not enough a people couple do tell things that, that I can them. that I can physically do, Imran, that I've been able to do my entire life that are weird. Okay, and one of them <laughs> is control one of my eyes independently on its own. And like, how does Tim not know that? How does when Tim did I say? That? When did I comment at all on whether or not you could do it? Greg was like, "Do you know anyone that can do it?" And you stayed stood there like an <laughs> asshole, silent. Did he ask me that? He asked everyone that when the show started, right? Then why didn't you say I did it? I could do it. Because yeah, I, I wanted to see, like, wanted you're, to see you're if you'd, you'd, you'd stand up and, and remember this one fun fact about me. But uh, once again, you disappoint. stuck on the boom, boom, huck jam. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kind of Funny Games Cast. Each and every week right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. We get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. Uh, you can watch the show live as we record it by going to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, just like our Patreon producers, Muhammad Muhammad, get healthy with Hiram at gmail.com, Tom Bach, Skin Tight Salmon, Jeffrey P. Long, Julian, the Gluten-Free Gamer, Sancho West Gaming, and James Hastings all are doing. Thank you all very much for what you're doing for us here at Kind of Funny. You can watch the show later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or roosterteeth.com if you want to listen to it. We're a podcast. Just search your favorite podcast service for Kind of Funny Games cast, and we will be there for all of you. I want to get right into it, guys. Crash Bandicoot 4. Wowie, wow, wow. Time. The game finally coming out. Never thought I'd see the day, Imran. Never thought I'd see the day we get a brand new Crash Bandicoot game that's mm-hmm. worth a damn. Back in 2015, it must have been, because it was when we first left IGN. I made a, a Let's Play video of me playing through Crash Bandicoot 1. And Colin was asking me, like, what is the dream? What is the goal for you and Crash Bandicoot? And for me, I'm like, I don't want a new game. I just want remakes of 1, 2, and 3 because there's no chance that the new game is good. No chance in hell. And then a couple years passed, they announced this trilogy remaster from the ground up. I am stoked out of my mind. Then that trilogy comes out, and it's fantastic. Such a faithful recreation of those games. Kept all the magic of what makes those games what they are. Notice I'm not saying what made them good. Just what they are, right? 
now there's a new game. After we've gotten Tony Hawk remakes, after we've gotten Spyro remakes, Crash Team Racing, Crash Insane Trilogy, we're finally getting a new game from Toys for Bob, and it is fantastic. What it is definitely the best Crash Bandicoot game Whoa. in existence. What? I am so thrilled about this. I think it is going to actually introduce so many people into what the, the, the good ideas that Crash had, the good memories you have of the old Crash games, actually implemented in a way that is very kind of forward thinking for what a platformer can be. And Ron, this one's for you here. The game mm. reminds me a lot of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Oh, that's that is very high praise. That mm-hmm. is, I I just need to come in and like it because like uh, you're you're Tim, you're gonna like a new Crash game. I understand that. That's you not call true. It, not mm, necessarily. Okay, you're going to like a faithful retro revival of Crash. That yes. is my assumption. Mm-hmm. I did not expect you to compare it to Tropical Freeze because I know when you say that that you understand the extreme gravity of what that means when you say it to me. Um, <laughs> Tim, Tim fucking loves Tropical Freeze. Tropical Fr- we, we agree on the fact that it is one of the best, if not the best 2D platformer out there. Now, to be clear, it is nowhere near as good as Tropical mm-hmm. Freeze. It just does a lot of the things Tropical Freeze does right and applies it to the Crash formula, which is essentially making sure that every single level doesn't feel like filler and that every single level kind of doesn't just feel like, all right, we're in the snow land now, so we got to do the snow things over and over and then move on to a new idea. It's constantly kind of iterating, and even within one level, it feels like a story is being told, and the backgrounds are just reused assets that you're seeing over and over and over. And that's something that we saw in the original Donkey Kong Country games and in the original Crash games. But what Tropical Freeze did that I really love is every single element of the level design kind of has a reason to be there like when there's a platform it's being held up by something underneath it when a, a platform is flying it's because you see the fan underneath it blowing it up it all felt like it was part of a a, a world that could be real there's right? environmental storytelling <laughs> in a platformer right and that sounds like a silly thing to say but it's like storytelling but mixed with kind of like trying to build out a world that makes sense that's not just oh it's a video game you know sure and Crash doesn't do that. It doesn't necessarily do a thing where it's like there's a reason for every single thing being here. But what it does do is throughout the levels, there is that storytelling. And it reminds me, again, like Sonic the Hedgehog 2, or or sorry, 3 specifically, where it's like as you're going through the levels, you're seeing things change. And uh, bless, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. A whole bunch of that. And then applying that to the best the Crash Bandicoot gameplay has to offer, which is essentially, hey, we understand that a lot of the gimmicky levels are what people remember the most from Crash, the motorcycle stuff, riding on the polar bear, like all of that stuff, right? That stuff took up way too much of the original games that in a way that was just so janky and distracting from what the core gameplay actually is. And that's something, Greg, we've talked about for years uh, about a whole bunch of different video games is you get to the final boss and all of a sudden the gameplay totally different game. Totally different game. Not nearly as good. Never a good idea. The old Crash games would do that two out of every five levels. And it was just kind of just a system where it's like every warp room, there's five levels, there's three normal levels that have a theme, and then two levels that are gimmicks. And those gimmicks sometimes were fun, sometimes were cool, but most of the time were kind of trash compared to the rest of the, uh, of the game. And even on top of that, the platforming levels that were the three out of five of each world would, every single world would give you like a new ability that you're adding to your arsenal for mobility or for whatever it is. Crash 4 is just like, we're going to start you off as a fully powered crash. You have all the abilities you need. You have the long jump. You have just like all this stuff where it's like double jump. 
you don't need to, to get that later because the problem in the other games is by the time you get it, there's only 10 levels left. Yeah. Right. This one from the beginning, every single challenge is designed around Crash's abilities and they give you everything that you need to then have fun with the levels and make them difficult, challenging, but not frustrating to the point that you are just banging your head against the, the wall. Right. Yeah. Uh, but what I really appreciate is they didn't get rid of the gimmick stuff. They just made the gimmick stuff fit in a bit more and just make it a fun little distraction away from the the platforming that you're doing but it never lasts too long that you're just like this isn't fun and I, i'm not enjoying this there is no specific levels that are this is just the gimmick the it's always in the level for a small little portion of it and that goes to the donkey kong country tropical freeze stuff where it's like that game's at its worst when it's just a minecart level but when the minecart stuff is kind of a bit of a platforming level that's really well designed it's like oh man this is actually really well thought out and paced in a way that it kind of breaks up the monotony of, you know, just jumping over a whole bunch of shit over and over and over. And on top of that, they add the four uh, quantum mass in this. And that's kind of the game's gimmick of giving them different, giving Crash different abilities, whether it's like slowing down time or flipping gravity um, or just like having different types of powers. And it's none of them are really used in ways that we haven't seen before, but they're kind of just like really, really good examples of those gameplay mechanics in a platforming game. Uh, and because the level design is so good, it's always interesting and always fresh and the game doesn't overstay its welcome, but there's a lot of replay value. I beat it. It took me about two days, um, but there is so much more for me to do in this game. And that how is much where, were you playing those two days? You think, was it like all lot. you were doing? Okay. I, I would say the total I, I've probably put like six or seven hours into okay. it and again 2d platformer uh but or 3d 2d 3D. platform it's kind of a kind of a, a mesh hybrid yeah uh but the thing about crash games and this goes especially for the originals is beating the game was never like the end of it it's like you want to go back there's the relics the time trials the gems that you're trying to find like all the hidden stuff and if you're trying to get all that in this game it is extremely extremely difficult and that's another thing where it reminds me a bit of tropical freeze where it's like beating the game is is fine but having to go back and get all of the different collectibles like that's where the real challenge lies and this game kind of incentivizes you to want to at least try to do all of that uh in your first run and you're not going to like you're constantly mm -hmm. gonna like i had to stop myself and be like i need to keep moving forward but i want to go back and see if i can get that gem i saw where it was so can I do it? And the next thing you know, I'm going back to the old level. And it's like, I have had a great time with this game. It reminds me of so much, so many different elements that I love about platforming games. And I, I am shocked that a crash game is actually good. If not great, I think that this is actually a great game. And Imran specifically, I'm excited for you to play because I'd want to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I take it. You're not the biggest crash bandicoot fan. I enjoyed what I played of the PS1 games. After that, I just immediately, like, it wasn't even a slow fall. It was just like, no, nah, I don't even need to pay attention to this stuff. I'd never played the remakes. I've wanted to give myself, like, some time to do so, but I think I might just jump into this first. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely do that. I mean, it, that's the thing is, like, the remakes are good for the nostalgia that you have for them. And, you know, the, the, there's elements of those games that are awesome. Uh, but they do not hold up in a way of if you've never played them before. This is, like, something I'd recommend. Whereas Crash 4 entirely is that. And I think... The only thing that's a little weird to me tonally is it's very much a Saturday morning kids cartoon. And I can see kids absolutely loving this game. But there's a difficulty shift towards the end of it that I'm like, I can't imagine any kid actually beating this. 
uh, it's it's pretty pretty damn difficult. Takes me back. Takes me back to classic 3D platformers. Yeah, and I enjoy it, but it's like it it was pretty uh pretty hard. Um, but also the story, it's what it needs to be. It's just fun, stupid stuff. I would say it actually is pretty funny throughout. Like there wasn't anything that I like cringed at. But many of the jokes are specifically targeted towards me, like. Of being a crash hey, fan, <laughs> pretty much it's like it's making references to like previous crash games that i i'm gonna gonna be really shocked to see like how many people actually get the references how many like, twin sanity what references are there there's enough oh wow <laughs> like that's the thing <laughs> is like, they they go deep and like there'll be things in the levels where i'm like wow they really have that thing from wrath of cortex like that's so random uh but it's it's cool and it's fun and like I appreciate it. I just think it's weird that for a game that's clearly directed at children playing it for the first time with the way that it's written and the way that the characters are acting, some of the jokes they're making are just so specifically tied to the crash lore that I'm like, those aren't the same kids that <laughs> you're right. Isn't that, isn't that a hallmark of something good like that? Like when I, when I think back to watching Animaniacs, right. And uh, even tiny tunes, I remember watching them years later and catching like Pulp Fiction references and things in there that clearly weren't designed for the ch- me, the kid watching it who loved the show. They were designed for my parent in the room. Wouldn't this be the same case where if it's a kid's game, what does the story need to be for a kid to be excited? They're there for the colors and hopefully the challenge and the collectibles, right? Whereas a, a parent or an older gamer like yourself is going to be there for the nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good point. But I just think that it's weird when it's referencing itself. Mm. You know, like it's referencing Crash and it's Crash's history, uh, which I don't know that there's enough people out there that, you know, the five lines of dialogue back and forth are worth the joke. You know, does he call anybody plumber boy? He does not call anybody plumber boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But call anybody the, like a spiky hedgehog or anything like that. No, no. no the, but there is like a reference to uh, like a wombat, and it's like Crash was originally going to be a wombat. Oh, so it's like things like that, you know, that I enjoy, I very much enjoyed, and it's like it's very clear the team that made this game like really cares about what makes Crash good and what makes Crash uh, memorable to, to to everybody. There's a ton of unlockable skins um, as far or not as far as I can tell. I know for a fact, no microtransactions for this at all. Every single thing you can get is earned in the game. Um, ton of skins you can get. Coco and Crash are both playable at any moment right out the gate, pretty much. You have to play like one level as Crash, and then the story brings them together. And uh, from then on, any level you want, you can play as Coco or Crash. And they both have about 20 unlockable skins. Uh, one of the skins for each one of them is a Mario Odyssey-style uh polygonal old og one which is what i went with from as soon as i could and what i appreciate about it is you get that pretty early on like it's not nice. like oh you have to beat the game again. Nice. it's like they let me play through is the one that i obviously wanted to play as you know That's right. um the music is as good as it's ever been and that is has been a hallmark of the crash games having such a, a fun unique vibe to it and yeah it is this like tiny tunes animaniacs vibe the the entire way through that is backed up by extremely solid platforming and and gameplay that is really showing off what makes running around and jumping on things fun. That's really good to hear. Like, I know for me, I really enjoy 3D platformers and Crash has always been one of those franchises that I've never been able to to get into. Um, mainly because like I just didn't feel like they were good. Um, specifically like the... And, I was gonna say specifically the PS1 ones, even though those are probably the ones that people would say are the best ones. Uh, but like for me growing up, I remember as a kid, I got, I think the one I played was 
uh, Wrath of Cortex on the PS2. And then following that, I think I had like a demo disc for Crash Bash that I, I played a whole <laughs> bunch. Um, and Crash Bash, you know what, man? Shout out to Crash Bash. Hey, shout out to that, Crash Bash. It's a yeah. really bad Mario Party clone, but hey. But like, hey demo, by its own the mer- demo merit? was fun with the paint yes. jumping. Yes, the paint jumping. And then there was like the ice mini game where you try to push people off. Like, I think you got, you're like riding polar bears or something like that. Um, but yeah, shout out to original, that game. Is it really? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, shout out to Crash Bash because I actually really did like that demo. Um, but you saying that is it is genuinely a great game is making me want to actually pick it up and check it out because You're I know gonna like love it, Wes. You're gonna yeah. absolutely love this game. Well, here's yeah. the question though: Am I gonna love it? Because remember that when they showed at the last PlayStation conference and they showed the uh, you know the different modes you play through at the end with like the inverse of colors and all that jazz. That was really when I, I mean, the gameplay in general looked good. But that's what turned my head of like, oh, man, like there's more going on to this game than I think I gave it credit for. And I really do like what I've seen gameplay wise. I'm excited to try it. Am I going to stick with it? So going from the the second thing you said first, that stuff is the worst part of the game. Like that stuff is extremely gimmicky. And uh, I mean, even Andy, when it was first being shown, was kind of just like this just looks like someone's first time using Photoshop filters. And uh, that's kind of how it feels. And they kind of use that as you can play through any of the levels with those different styles and then you get different gems and stuff and it's kind of just trying to uh give you more things to do um but playing through it that way is very frustrating uh there's moments in the game that it kind of does it in the normal campaign and those aren't that bad because like the other gimmicky stuff it doesn't last long and it kind of feels like it has a purpose there uh but just going through other levels with like weird looks at least with the the ones that i i did i was just like like there's an inverted mode and then all the colors are just inverted and off. And like, it just makes things hard to see. And in a game that like kind of needs a lot of precision, that's where it starts to be like, all right, well, this isn't fun. It's just frustrating. Like, it's not challenging. Like, this isn't ideally how you're going to play it. It sounds like they're they're taking the, the uh, note from how, I know Uncharted has like a similar thing where you can apply different filters to how you play. And that's always like a thing where I'll go and check them out, but I'll never actually play the game that way. It strikes me. It strikes me like that. Totally. And I thought it was weird that they kind of marketed that as like a, a feature because it was just like and I get why they did is because that is a big part of the replayability of like for the people that want to get the over 100 percent. Another similarity to Donkey Kong Country is once you get 100, you ain't done, baby. Uh, but like <laughs> it's, it's for people that want to go crazy with that stuff. Do you think but, this like do you think this feeds into a to a crash continuing as a franchise like do you think they go on to make crash 5 and crash 6 absolutely this game is awesome people are going to love it i i think it's going to review very well i think it's going to sell very well um i imagine like this is this is something we're going to get a lot of a lot more of and i'm, I'm very excited about that like if i were to put a number on it i would probably be somewhere between 8.5 and a 9 hmm um, so wait now hold on i'll come back to me though because yes. i care about greg miller you I, the the thing that looks cool at the end with the colors and the inversion and andy shat on it because that's what he does and what has he ever created that doesn't matter but gameplay wise am i going to be into it because i feel like i'm in the mood this came we saw this we saw a crash or i'm sorry we saw a ratchet and clank and mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah i can i feel like i could go for one of these games right now i i can imagine there are parts of this game that are going to be challenging to a way that you just don't enjoy Okay. It's it, it crash is very much a trial and error type trial and error game. However, this one there's modern mode and classic mode, and classic mode is only there for the people that would be mad if it wasn't. They want like to be the tortured. Game, yeah. The game is not designed around classic mode, which is essentially there's game overs and you're collecting lives and all that stuff. 
Modern Correct mode. me if I'm wrong, Imran. The this classic mode referring to what Crash originally was. Crash is what started the Soulsborne idea of gameplay, yes. right? Miyazaki you, worked you. on the original game, and it was like I could make this easier. And then, we'll, we'll <laughs> so, uh, but but with modern mode, it it kind of functions like a more modern 3D platformer where you don't have lives. Uh, you're sure. going through, and instead, all the Wampa fruit you're collecting, which might as well be coins in Mario. Sure. Uh, there are challenges associated with collecting a certain amount per level. And that's the other thing is like everything you're collecting in, in the levels all is feeding towards uh, different things that you actually want to be doing. So breaking open every crate gets you a gem. Getting certain amounts of uh, the Wampa Fruit gets you gems. So you're just collecting these gems and there's like six gems per level. And all of a sudden it starts feeling a lot more like Mario 64 than the original okay. crash games do where every single run you're kind of like or even mario odyssey like kind of like a mix uh where as you're doing going through the levels you're like i want to try to get all six of the gems in one run and it's very difficult to do but it incentivizes you to look at every nook and cranny of the level and kind of explore as much as you can um and again it's a crash game so it's like it's not like you're in these giant open worlds it's very Tim, much you you gotta it. play you gotta play astrobot rescue mission i think yep. you would yep. uh, fucking adore yes. that game yep um and then also greg uh, a reminder because you're saying you're in the mood like astro's playroom comes out in, in a month and a half and, you, and that's gonna be game so, of the year and so I was yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, not, I'm not gonna binge on all this don't worry i'll, I'll be on two both right. i can do both just making sure as Tim also one that, demo that won't get reviewed by ign.com <laughs> like this as they were describing this i was thinking it kind of sounded more like what we know of sackboy a little bit like that new sackboy game coming at launch now that, well, that one looks it. like super mario 3d world right right which is also what i think he's describing a little is bit. that what you're is. describing tim yeah i was turning it 100%. Back that yeah, yeah yeah it is it's definitely 3d mario 3d world uh ask it but it's mario 3d world but there with a little bit of celeste and, and Greg, this is where I'm going with you, where it's like, I don't know that it's a game for you necessarily because I really enjoy Celeste, just never beat it yet. And but it's that's the thing. It's like yeah. I think that you could really enjoy Crash 4 until you hit a point that you're like, so I'm, I'm like, fucking, fuck this, it's too hard. Okay. I, yeah, I'm not down to like try this the 15 more times that I'm gonna need to to get through it. Okay. In the way that Celeste is very room-based, where every single thing's on a on a screen that you have to get through, and then there's the strawberries, that's how mm -hmm. Crash feels constantly. You're going through and you're like all right, I could just run through this, and that's challenging enough, but the real goal is to break all the crates. So it's like you can choose to, to do that. Once you realize there's a crate, you're like, I'm not even going to fucking try to get that. Sure. It makes getting through the whole level a lot easier because now all of a sudden you're like, I don't even need Fuck to that. try to get the yeah, rest yeah, of them. Yeah. I'm just trying to get to the end. There's a lot of checkpoints, and once you get to a checkpoint, you can die as many times as you want. It brings you right back, and you don't need to worry about the lives and all that stuff. How are the loads? How are the checkpoints? Are they generous with checkpoints, load times short? So many, so many, and that's why I'm saying it feels Celeste-like in the sense that the game's very well-paced in giving you these kind of like bite-sized challenges to get through, and then there's always optional harder things that you can do, but... It's just, it's extremely well designed. And like Toys for Bob really, really knocked it out of the park. I am so impressed with it being the first new game because they've only been doing all the remakes. So the teams over there, going from Tony Hawk and then this, Activision are just firing on all cylinders when it comes to the 90s retro nostalgia wave. What do you I'm think officially that, excited. They have left? What do you say, Bless? Is there anything Activision has left, like in that like same regard of Tony Hawk and Crash that they they can go back to, like a Spyro oh, revival? Yes. Well, Honestly, be, I, I mean, guess we got the remix, didn't we? They we got the Spyro remix. remix. They're making a new Spyro at some point, right? Like when they announced, or not announced, but during an investor call, they said like, "Yeah, we're probably going to make new games with this stuff instead of just remasters." 
I think Spyro was one of the ones they name checked. I don't. I mean, they didn't announce a new Spyro game, but they, they might have been uh, talking about the Spyro. They did not officially trilogy. announce anything, but in the same vein of hinting at this game, they basically said Crash and Spyro are two of the ones that are looking at it for stuff like that. There will be a, a new Spyro. Yes, like, there has to be. Uh, Lad Bible has an article from March. It says a new Spyro game is in development, according to reports. That's what you got there. Yeah, looking here, I, and it looks like Prototype was pu- was published by uh, by Activision, and so I'm, I'm waiting on that <laughs> one. Bring back Prototype. You want Prototype Three? That's what you're asking for. Yeah. To be clear. Yes. Huh. Or a remake. Huh. Huh. I'm not serious, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm if, totally I, I, Here's what I would say. I'd be fine with a Prototype reboot. I don't need. I don't need a remake of Prototype One, which was. <laughs> I've actually course, never so played Prototype. Infamous. I I assume it's yeah. I assume it was just like another Infamous, right? Yeah. It is, but it's like a billion times faster and not as well designed. So, like, depending on yeah, you did it's run fun to play, it's just not actually all that good. I, I well designed a game. I very vividly remember the commercials on TV because they went really hard with being like, "Oh yeah, like he has the evil that's taking over him or whatever." <laughs> totally. He's open world city and all all this different stuff. Uh, I'm so the commercial was all right. He's evil. Open world city. <laughs> But there's there's Beanox, like Vicarious Visions, Beanox, Toys for mm-hmm. Bob. And right. somehow between the three of them in different collaborations, that's where we're getting the Tony Hawk, Spyro, Crash, uh, either remasters, remakes, or sequels. So I imagine that with the success of these games, we're going to see more Crash Bandicoots, we're going to see a new Spyro, and at, at some point we're going to either see more Tony Hawk remakes or a new Tony Hawk. Yeah. God, is it a good time to be Tip Gettys? Holy <laughs> shit. What a year. Like, oh, what a month. In one month, Decade I got of dreams games. God. Yeah, what's what's left in your dream list, Tim? Well, Please say no more pandemic. Please say more, no more pandemic. Please say no more pandemic. <laughs> what, was, what was left was Sands of Time. And mm. we're getting what we're getting. I hope that it's good. Um, but It'll then be after good. That, it, whether it could be as good as it should be is a different question. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I think it, at this point, it just gets back down to Metal Gear Solid. And time splitters. Oh Next yeah, three. yeah. A lot of time remaster, so they're probably doing a new game, but but we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um. Uh, anyways, before we move on, any any more crash questions or? It's only on PS4 right now, right? Crash is on everything. Is it? Isn't it? I thought it was just on PS4, and it's like that thing, like where they did a crash remake, where they just put it on other stuff later. No, it's everywhere. No, it's on. It's on Xbox too. Yeah, okay. for sure. It's everywhere except for Switch. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. That like it'll come to Switch eventually, probably. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's always yeah. PS4, PS4, Xbox One is confirmed. Yeah, yeah. I played on PS4. Um, I don't really think there'd be an advantage. Yeah, I can't imagine the difference. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, before we move on, let me tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Fubo. TV. Are you sick of cable? We are too. I definitely know that I am. It's way too expensive. You're paying for stuff that you don't need. We've moved on to a different world, and that is a world with a lot more Fubo. Fubo TV is how you should be watching TV. You get everything you want in one place for less than the cost of cable. I just want The Bachelorette, and this makes it easy for me and my family to have what we want. They have the major broadcast and cable network, so you can find all your shows, including live sports, news, and primetime TV. With Fubo TV, you get all your favorites, like This Is Us and The Bachelor. They know what I'm talking about. There's no risk to try it out. You get full access to Fubo TV for seven days for free. Uh, right now, Fubo TV is offering you guys seven-day free trial and 
15% off your first month by going to fubotv.com slash kind of funny. Uh, there are no contracts and you can cancel anytime. That's fubotv.com slash kind of funny for 15% off your first month and a free trial. It's super easy to use. It just works. It gets to TV. You can watch it. Why wouldn't you do it? Fubotv.com slash kind of funny. Uh, next up. Shout out to AT&T, 5G plus Samsung. Thanks to Samsung and AT&T for sponsoring this podcast. Samsung's newest phone, the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G, powered by AT&T 5G, is available now. Uh, it requires a compatible plan and coverage. It's not in all areas. Uh, here are just some of the new features you can try out with the device. Cloud gaming will be available with the power of 5G. You can try it out with high-performance experiences brought to you via the newest Samsung devices powered by AT&T 5G. The Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G also has a 120 hertz adaptive display that automatically adjusts the refresh rate according to the content you're viewing, an intelligent battery that optimizes for your gameplay. All awesome stuff. Uh, you can check out the S Pen and Samsung Notes to create your own works of art. Head over to att.com slash Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G to learn how you can get the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 5G for free or the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G for $299.99 for a limited time. God, it's a lot, a lot to say. It's a lot to say. You get what it means, though. Uh, but I'm going to do it one more time for you. att.com slash Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G to learn more um then finally i want to give a shout out to the homies over at sun soil these days it seems like companies are putting cbd in literally everything if you don't know where to start there's a company in vermont that's down to earth and doing things differently and they are sun soil she has been using it she's been loving it sun soil makes cbd oil that is usda certified organic they grow hemp on their farms in vermont and they never use pesticides herbicides or GMOs. Uh, Sunsoil Sun keeps it simple. In fact, most of their CBD products have just two simple ingredients, coconut oil and hemp. Uh, it's surprisingly affordable because they farm their own hemp and stick to simple ingredients. They offer higher quality CBD at half the price of other brands. Obviously, that's what I'm appreciating, getting this high quality content for half the price. Sunsoil makes pure and simple CBD products at an unbeatable price. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash kind of funny. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L.com slash kind of funny for 30% off your first order. Now that we're back, while I was playing Crash 4, you gentlemen got to play Star Wars Squadrons. I can't wait to hear about this because I'm excited about it. Blessing, what do you think? And I really, I'm really enjoying this thing. I, I don't know where to start in this conversation because it's I, tough, right? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like there's a lot to break down because, like, I'm only, I'm only about like five missions in, which I guess like means like seven Same. missions in because there's like prologues and stuff. If I can full time out right now, I Go do think what's interesting is we wade into this. Tim's review of Crash is complete, right? He's played the whole game. He's done all this different stuff. It's on lock. What I do think, I know so many of our audience members uh, like the behind ba the, the inside baseball behind the scenes stuff that happens with this. Our review for Star Wars Squadrons is far from a final thing. This is a review so far. Codes came in on Monday for this. We got to play till today, which is Wednesday. Review embargo is Thursday morning. So you figure we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with it. However, the actual multiplayer servers weren't turned on until Wednesday morning today as we record this. Basically, servers were live from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We started this show at 2 p.m. So even now, if we wanted to go back in, the servers are off. So 
it is a weird rev- this is definitely a review in progress that is not what the game will look like under the real stress test of everybody else playing it a whole bunch of different things but like i'm in the same way of if you don't just for a second hijacking bless i haven't finished the story either because got the codes monday started playing monday night and the thing was very clear and they did a great job in terms of instructions and embargoes and all that stuff but they were like hey for your play session on uh wednesday you should be through story mission five at least and you need to be level five in multiplayer at least to jump right into everything so it was this i played a bunch of story stuff monday into tuesday then focused on leveling up into the multiplayer stuff that it was like offline against bots stuff on uh, that to then get to here on wednesday so it's kind of like i feel like i've played a hodgepodge of both modes but haven't like completed in quotes either of them Mm -hmm. yes sorry back to you just so people understood where we're coming from well like that's a that's actually a perfect place to start from because that where where I'm at so far in the game, it still feels like I am figuring out how to play the game, and this is two days into playing, and I and I th- that speaks more so I think to how kind of deep the game feels mechanically, and and how many options that uh, that are at your disposal uh, as you're flying through space, dogfighting, doing all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to start with the. Hmm. What do I even want to start? But to start with, like controlling this game because that's that's kind of where my focus has been. Because like story wise, like it seems like there's a cool story there, but I don't necessarily care. Like I'm not the biggest Star Star Wars person, and the story that they're presenting here, it's not Jedi Fallen Order. Like it's not. It's I don't really care about this Rebel versus uh, Empire back and forth when it is very specifically like a story about these uh, soldiers and, and and what they're going going through to have this back and forth. Um, and also. And I guess I'm just going to talk about story now. Actually, uh, you the the way they present it is you're playing both sides, uh, and so you have a a um, um, character for a each pilot. side. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to think of the word for pilot. You have a pilot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, you, that you create for the rebel side, and then a pilot that you create for the empire side. And the creation tools don't really seem that deep. It really, does seem like you're choosing uh, like an avatar, basically. And a couple tweak, different like, faces, couple different voices. Yeah. Which body shape do you want? All right, go for it exactly and like i actually do like how they did the body shapes because i think we've been seeing a trend recently in in games where tim pointed this out during the tony hawk review where like yeah the way they go about it like you you have different voices you can choose for your character and it is like you know uh voice one voice two uh uh and it's like a certain quality to it right so like pilot one pilot two veteran one veteran two and the one voice will be a, a voice that skews more on like the woman's side and then the two voice will be the voice that skews more towards the male side right so you can get that kind of feel but they don't really label it that way and then they also do go for body types as opposed to you picking your gender and so like it, it doesn't really uh uh like create those arbitrary lines when it comes right. to how you're going to put that stuff together uh which i really appreciate and like it, it, it gets the job done too like you can have a character that uh is basically tailored to how you want them to to present uh which is cool that said like you don't really like mold the face or anything like it is what you get and then also that said the game is also entirely in first person and so you don't see that character for the most part (laughs) you see their Um, hands a lot but the hands really don't matter yes and then when Uh, you're in multiplayer you'll see your avatar up here or whatever on and then like on the victory or losing screen you'll see your character there yeah and to stick with this even more a thing that surprised me and i'm sure you guys have noticed this this too it seems like this game was built with a lot more focus toward the VR side of things than like you would think yes. like going into it. Uh, when you jump into the story mode, like you are, you have sequences where you're first person, you're talking to different characters, to, like figure out what the mission is. You can navigate through your uh, through your base and like go to different places, but you're not walking in first person. Mm-hmm. You're doing the exact thing you would do in VR, which is 
you look around and then uh, you teleport to where you want to go by like clicking one of the options and then it automatically teleports you there as opposed to you walking, uh, which I think is very fascinating because I could see like I could see a case where this game started off as a VR game and they're like, no, we got to sell this to more people. Yeah. Let's expand well, this out. I assume it's less that we, well, it's that, but also a bunch of games around this got canceled. So I'm assuming that just the scope and development of this probably expanded as time went on. It's like, mm. okay, we don't have another Star Wars game this year or these two years. We need to put more into this thing. And also then it needs to sell more. So like there are parts of you just get into the X-Wing and just look around the cockpit and there's no point to this, except if it were in VR, that would be cool. Yeah, but if it was in VR, it's like, okay, yeah. Like when you're talking to characters and your only option really is to just like look around. I'm like, okay, yeah, in VR... This would make a lot of sense, but when I'm playing this on a console, like it's not, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's, it's, if anything, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but it, like, it's I was going like to say, right? Thing. It's interesting. Like jumping yeah. around and getting into the, cause again, yeah, like, and I'm, it, uh, you know, by no means do I think the story's tacked on. I obviously, you know, Mitch Dyer, we worked with at IGN, and I think Walt did as well, Walt Williams, right? I know Mitch for sure wrote the story. I think he wrote it with Walt again, the same folks who worked on the single player for Battlefront 2. I'm not saying they tacked this on or whatever, but I think that the heart of this game is being in the cockpit and playing. So I think yeah. that they took liberty, like we need a single player thing. Let's give you a story, which they do. But then, yeah, the presentation is such a different choice. Uh, who just scared Tim? If he's taking off the headset, he's holding his heart. Like, you know what I mean? And now he's waving goodbye. Who's, who's, <laughs> it looks who, like somebody very respectable walked into Tim's room. Just I know, like, right? Like, did Biden <laughs> just swing through? <laughs> like. I want to thank you for your support on Twitter. What happened there, buddy? Uh, Gio walked in and scared the fuck out of me. Was she like, where's my water bottle? Why did you take it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I still don't know who it is. That's okay. hilarious. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, like, it is it, it, a lot of the character dialogue you get from it reminded me so much. And don't pick up your pitchforks because I don't mean it this way. It reminded me so much of Anthem. And the way you would go up to people in Anthem and they would talk in front of you in this scene you wa would watch, right? And then you'd be on to whatever you're about to go do. Like it had that yeah. setup and it had that kind of presentation. And, you know, they talk, you know, call you by your call sign or whatever. And you get to jump around between all that stuff. But I was right there with you, Blessing. And I think, again, maybe it's just how I was playing the game uh, and how I think the focus is being in the cockpit. It is being up in the stars and fighting, right? It was that thing of early on, I started off and I'm paying attention and going and then by like mission three, I, I'm for the record, I think I'm in mission nine right now of 14. Uh, it, it, I was like, okay. And eventually I just like you, you leave when you're in there, you can, you know, either inspect your X wing, you can talk to the bot, you can talk to this other guy, you can go into the briefing room, get what mission you're about to after the briefing, you can talk to the NPCs or you can, I, it eventually became, all right, cool. From the uh, from looking at my X wing to the briefing table to back in my X wing, like let's yeah, go fight. Exactly. Like, this like at is... a certain point, like, I was like, "Why am I talking to these people?" Because everything they're saying is going over my head in a way it, where it's not bad. Like I don't think the writing is bad anywhere, but yeah. it is like I just don't like they're. I don't care about what they're really saying right here. I just want to go in the cop cockpit and like go I, into these flights and do this stuff. I also don't think the writing is don't think the writing is bad. However. The character named Gunny really liking guns a little too far. I don't think that was necessary. <laughs> yeah. And there are there are some story moments that like early on in the story where I was like, okay, no, this is like a really cool thing. Um, and I'm not like gonna spoil anything, but they, they do have points where I was like, all right, yeah, I, I see where you're going there. That's pretty cool. Um, but to get into the actual gameplay, I think that really is where the game shines, where I they do such a good job of make like <laughs> 
like pl- driving driving one of the the ships in this game really does feel like learning how to drive a car for the first time where i mm-hmm. am like all right i can adjust my speed by by you know going forward or backward on my left analog stick all right cool okay if i want to be able to dodge something i gotta go go at half speed so i gotta pay attention to that uh and then like slowly and slowly as you're learning uh, uh by each mission they're throwing new things at you in terms of mechanics that by the time like now that I'm at mission five, I feel like I'm managing so many things in my ship, and it is a really cool feeling. Like you have, uh, you know, countermeasures they can throw out when you have a, a missile that's coming at you. You have like your lasers that you can use to, t- to take out ships. You have your uh, rockets that you can deploy. You have, uh, you know, um, there's uh, different uh, different missiles to fire if you want to take down a shield or if you want to do body yeah. damage to whatever you're attacking. Yeah, and all and all that stuff kind of feeds into this really cool experience of oh cool, I really do feel like I am controlling this ship and having to manage all these different things while also having to make sure that I am going after these enemy ships and taking them out and uh, managing the objective and listening to what my teammates have have to say to me uh, in the single player. And I'm sure that's going to feed into the multiplayer uh, because there's multiple modes there, including uh, fleet battle, which is an, an objective based mode. Uh, like, I'm I'm excited to play more and more of this game because so far, first impression, it's it's really cool to experience, but then also like it looks beautiful. The uh, and I don't know if this is just because I'm playing on my big 4K TV that I have in my living room now. Um, but like you know, I'm I'm really enthralled visually by how it looks. Uh, it has a lot going on with it. I'm in, I'm enjoying so much of it. Let me ask you guys a question, and I'm assuming the answer is going to be no because blessing you're too young, and Greg, you've never touched a PC in your life. Right. But did you guys play X-wing or Tie Fighter as kids? Fuck you, Imran. I did. <laughs> really i'm legitimately surprised thank you no yeah poe uh, you know poe who comes up all the time is my casual uh video game but my best friend player uh yeah no poe was obsessed with uh the x-wing tie fighter stuff so i would be the guy in this is i know horrifying for everyone to hear but as i was the video game guy i was the guy who'd come over and try to make his shitty pc run it and try to figure it out and look through you know fucking bulletin boards right on how to trying to figure out how to get around this and how to make your stupid memory and this is probably why i hate pc gaming so much but through that i would play them and they were never my bag like they were never like something i loved you know i think i talk about all the time of video games for me being a fantasy and for me and even you know we talk about star wars something last year where i really feel last year is the first time i ever fell in love with star wars where i liked star wars and i played and i liked force awaken or uh force unleashed games and i I loved uh you know bioware knights of the old republic but something about last year that perfect time period of tim and i going to play fallen order going to disney and doing building the lightsaber and being at the cantina and then whether you liked it or hated it i enjoyed the the star wars movie (laughs) and i was like man i finally get why people really love this shit like for me the fantasy even for knights of the republic was always wielding the lightsaber and being a jedi never being in the cockpit and being in the army kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so for watching poe play and that was his obsession and i played enough through him or watched him play enough next to him that i had a feel on him sorry imran continue with your line of questioning though like so this game immediately reminded i think not even reminded it's their stated mission goal was to kind of invoke uh x-wing and tie fighter and those old things but not be quite as old i guess like the very one of the very first things i did in this game was i tried to ram myself into a star destroyer to see if i just explode <laughs> and you don't you just cry, cry, kind of crash to the side and initially that was like a little disappointing like oh well the old games you just explode and i thought no, that kind of sucked too. Because sometimes you would just <laughs> love something. So it's kind of it's good that they don't just kill you for doing that. But yeah. like, there are aspects of 
when I'm I'm sitting with the mouse and keyboard playing this game, and I kind of wish I had a flight stick, but whatever. I am, and it's just it reminds me of oh, I remember this is how it felt like when I was a kid and playing those games, and like moving my mouse and trying to just get an aim or an x-wing that's like slightly out of the way or whatever like that's how that game felt so i think they did a really good job of trying to hit how those games felt without hewing to exactly what those games were in every aspect you nail it i think that was my biggest thing coming in is that as someone who doesn't have that fantasy and remembers you know poe at the keyboard and mouse and how complicated it was to have all the different things there my concern coming in was especially when they started talking about like it's the same thing as you talk about. If you ever hear a developer say, oh yeah, you know, there's going to be some little issues at launch, that means there's going to be gigantic fucking issues because you never say that. In the same way when they were talking about this, like, oh, well, you know, like it's a it's a game that's going to require, like that, oh, you are saying this is going to be a hard game. <laughs> if you're even slightly broaching that, hey, yeah, there's a lot going on under the hood, this is going to be super complicated. And, you know, to Blessing's point and to echo it, like playing through the story mode, the way they started peppering stuff in of, yeah, how the left stick works is both your throttle and your pitch and y'all. Uh, the way, like, you know, it is, I was like, okay, I remember this being more complicated, but it isn't because, like, down on my panel, right, like, you can send the power for your ship to either being, you know, to your thrusters so you fly faster. And this, this changes ship to ship, by the way, but for the X-Wing I'm in my head with right now, uh, fly faster. Uh, you know, send it over to red so my uh, my weapons are doing more damage or send it to green for shields so I'm really powering up my shields. And I was like, oh, I remember that sounding more complicated, but I guess it wasn't, haha. And then you get four missions in. It's like, all right, now hold square. And you can decide if you want to throw all your shields to the front or yes. the back. I'm like, oh, oh God, my God, okay, fuck, but, shit. And like, I got, I, like, I got to that point and I was like, wow, this is a lot. But then like in practice, I was like, wow, this is so cool to where, you know, I'm flying and I'm flying at a very slow speed. And then all of a sudden something happens and I need to go max speed. And I'm like, all right, let me think. How do I go max speed? All right. I got to throw all my power into speed. All right, cool. I'm going faster. All right. What do I need to do now? Okay. Oh, I got a boost now. All right. Now you have a boost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, the the amount of choices I got to make in your head to do one thing. And this sounds like a complaint, but it's actually something that I really enjoy and I want to get uh, good at because this sounds like it has it could have a really high skill ceiling if you end up just putting all your uh, your energy into playing this game. But like, yeah, like figuring out how to. All right, I need to I need to figure out how to like get my my lasers the most powerful. All right, well, how do I take out an enemy as fast as possible? What do I need to alternate between when it comes to like lasers versus rockets? All right, cool. How do I perfectly dodge a missile? There was a, yeah. there's a mission early on in the game where the, where they're teaching you like, all right, this is how you dodge a missile you have to go to half speed and then you have to um uh basically maneuver and it took me maybe 10 times like 10 tries to actually get that perfect because they're they they want you to control that ship in a very particular way and uh, something about it when you when you're able to pull it off feels very satisfying that i really appreciate and also to the point where when you ship when you shift ships uh and like when you're flying in different ships uh you there are different ways or like there's different UI stuff, different different methods to how you control them, and like that depth is is off the chain to me. No, and I think you know, I understand that if you're in your car listening to this or just watching it, and you know, whatever, maybe it, this does sound like a turnoff, but I think the way they do it empowers you rather than hinders you. Where again, and you know, even to be you know frank with it right now, I think the game's great. I think it, I think everything you've said is true. It's beautiful. I do want to talk about VR in a little bit because holy fucking shit! But it's still not my power fantasy, right? Like I don't expect to play much more of it after this because I was jumping in as somebody who's like, oh well, you know, would this work for me? It doesn't. But that's 
this is the first time in a while we've talked about a game or I've reviewed in quotes a game here. That is something that wouldn't be in my personal wheelhouse, but holy shit, do I respect it? And can I see what they're doing here? Right. And to the point of everything we're talking about, like having those moments of those little Eureka moments or when something does happen and you figure out what you need to do, where it is like you're talking blessed that it's like, Oh shit. All right. Cause like, so one of the things we're talking about is fleet battles, Tim, right? And the idea behind this is you have your big capital ships, right? So you have one for the Republic and one for the Empire, right? Then you have in front of those two smaller ships that are like, uh, they got a weird name that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but they're no, like you, corvettes, like frigates Cor- and corvettes. Yeah. frigates and corvettes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That are there protecting the star, the star destroyer. I'm just gonna start saying, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it could be their capital ship. Yeah. And then you have your different, both AI and human people flying around, right? You your little ships dogfighting, and it's five v five. But then there's there are AI people that'll be involved too. So the idea here is it's wave based in terms of objective it's tug of war so the idea is that you have to take out enough of their ships that suddenly they're like all right they're falling back a bit now you need to go take out their frigates you go take out the frigates and then they're like all right now you can take on the star destroyer and all of these have shields on top of health and it's push and pull so you get to start working on a frigate but then they've taken out enough of your guys so the line the front the they have the you know the battle front line right where it moves backwards there and you're pushing and pulling the entire way so figuring all that out and the moment you have where you know you get shot down you respawn and you come out and it's like shit the battle is all the way across the map and i remember the first few times i did it of like going and puttering along and sending it over to blue to, to have it all in my engines but then not I, earlier in the game i tried to use the boost but it didn't work because i didn't realize i needed to be in the blue to have the boost and so it's like yep. those moments where you figure that out and you go and it's like oh okay and then to start piecing all together it's the same way of you know, I like the X-Wing, so I'm playing as the X-Wing all the time. And the story mode introduces you to all the different ships you have, right? It's the thing of, I was like, man, I keep sh- shooting in this fleet battle. I played a bunch last night and then today, right? And I'm like, oh, I'm just not doing that much damage to these, to these ships. Maybe my role as X-Wing is to, you know, just continue to shoot down AI other people. And then, like, and they taught you this, but again, they're teaching you so much. Like a moron, it was like, oh, wait. When I I can go back to my uh, my big ship at any point, go in there and change out what ship I'm in. So it is that thing of like again, oh, it's time to bomb the star destroyer. I should if I've just respawned or if I'm close enough, go in there, get into a bomber, bring the bomber all the way out and do that. And it's that little thing of like, you know, and I, this is gonna sound so fucking hoity-toity, but like games do give us so much instantaneously. And this game is give, rewarding you for playing more and having these experiences and probably listening to podcasts like this and reading articles and stuff like that. It is a thing of actually feeling like you're leveling up. Like I'm actually yeah. gaining my own personal experience where I know what to do in a specific instance. I was, I was I'm, say, like, so, I'm so excited to play this and I'm, I'm interested with a lot of what you guys are saying because I played the X-Wing TIE Fighter games growing up and I never vibed with them because uh, it wasn't so much the, the fantasy thing Greg's talking about because I totally loved the X-Wing stuff and Star Fox is like one of my favorite games, specifically Star Fox 64. And I loved everything about that game. But the thing I loved least was the all range mode stuff where you're kind of just I, the on rail stuff always worked better for me because I kind of like felt like I was more uh, in control of the parts that I wanted to be in control of. And I feel like when it gets to all range mode, which is more similar to this, it gets a little just too like, oh, damn it. I missed where I'm trying to go. Got to like change around. And it's like really disorienting. Adding on top of that, I've never really enjoyed the first-person cockpit view, whether it's mm. driving in a racing game or for these type of things. There's just something about 
how claustrophobic it feels and how much of the the screens taken up by like things blocking your your vision do you feel like with this game that without vr you're getting a, a good field of view of the action going on i think it really depends on what ship you're in and i think again that is something that's going to speak to the the hardcore star wars fan that is this right because it was uh i actually forget what, what i i want to say you start as empire in this right and so i was in a tie fire to begin with and it was that you know circular hole to look through and i was like oh man like this kind of weak or whatever and then it was you know as i the story starts putting you into different ships it was the cockpit totally expanding contracting getting way more glass if you're in the you know the y-wing or whatever it was like oh like again like it was this cool thing of understanding that these ships are different and have different abilities and have different purposes and whether you're gonna like that or not is a different thing whether you're gonna want to just be in one ship all the time is another thing but it's also you know the idea in a perfect world of how this game's supposed to work is it's us plus andy and we all jump in and it is like all right cool oh uh, guys i just died we've d- done the star destroyer i'll come back as a bomber you guys just keep them off my tail you know what i mean you have those kind of moments with it yeah i think that's a, a good point that like the cockpit kind of takes up um a good amount of like your field of view and so i to greg's point right like you kind of have a different field of view which with each ship but the cockpit is so the cockpit is so important to how you play because that is your ui and so when we talk about rebalancing power towards one of your systems right like there is a there is a a meter to the like the bottom left probably like it depends on the ship but like for the most part i think it's going to be on the bottom left where it is like all right here's your uh you can you can put it all to the different colors, so like blue for shield or or whatever the thing may be, right? Red for for uh, for lasers, weapons uh, for weapons, yeah. But then you'll have like another meter that is, hey, this is your uh, like this is the overheat for your lasers, and if this goes all the way down, that means they're going to be shooting slower. All right, yeah, this thing, this meter all, all the way over here is how fast you're going, and like you can shift it up or shift it down, and that is like when we're talking about field of view, there's so many UI elements that are part of that that like you you it's all kind of working in conjunction in a way where i think it, it, like it, as far as what you're seeing like in space like yeah that is kind of that is going to vary from from ship to ship but it all is pretty important to how you're playing yeah, also, you, know, you generally don't need a field of view that much beyond just your cursor and because like radar is doing most of the work for you of mm-hmm. okay i just keep going on this thing until the x-wing shows up on my in the crosshairs crosshairs turn red i can go ahead and shoot now yeah, you have it, you know, I think this is interesting too. I played on PlayStation, uh, Imran, your PC, blessing your Xbox, right? Yeah. And so like, yeah, like it, for me, you know, it's X of like when I'm out there flying to him, you can hit X to cycle through different uh, enemies you'd want to target. And so you'll see you then arrows on the screen pointing you to what direction they are. So you're okay. whipping around that way. So yeah, it isn't as much about finding things on it. And again, for the immersive nature of what they're going for with this game, the dials and all the readouts, yeah, they do become so important. Like the amount of times I'm after something and I'm shooting and you can, you know, use your uh, droid to repair and I'd go to tap and it would be like, me, me. And I'd like look down and like you look at the dial on the, or the readout on the screen, right? To show it slowly charging up and it's like, fuck. And it's the same yeah. thing of like, the way you're throttling uh, with the left stick, right? Like that, you know, you can, t- you have the best degrees of turn if you stay in the middle. So like, that's when you want to like, obviously, or that that's key to like dodging missiles or being able to pull out of it at the last second kind of thing. So it's like, 
riding that up and down and again being like okay it's like incoming missile and it's like ding, 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 ding. and it's like he's getting closer and it's, it is that thing of like what, looking up at the the readout on the screen and then looking down at the throttle of like when yep. to do it when to do it all right middle mid thing and like they have drifting and all this other stuff but to turn off of this but bring it into the same conversation vr um Obviously, the thing they've talked about with this game at EA Play, maybe you watched it. I heard the host was pretty cool and had a good plaid shirt. Um, they talked about, right, uh, this is cross-play with everything, just from the go, go get it, cr- play with whoever you want to. And then also that VR is cross-play as well. So, you know, drop in or do whatever you want with it. For me, I'd already been playing for, I did all of Monday night on TV and then Tuesday morning, I did a whole bunch. And then I was like, all right, I'm waiting for multiplayer because obviously that's going to be a big part of it. But I want to see what VR is all about and un, you know, unraveled the PlayStation VR, didn't turn off the system, plugged it all in, put on the PlayStation VR, hit the power button, immediately get the normal warning of like, you know, clear your surroundings. Okay. Did it. And then the game just went bloop and put me right into it. And holy fucking shit. Like I, like I, I've played uh, VR is amazing. And we always talk about the hallelujah moments of putting on VR and having those come to Jesus moments when you do the thing, or, you know, I talk about reaching for my tie or, you know, you try to reach out for something in the world. That's not there. That game, the squadrons, right. is already, I think so impressive from a UI level and what it looks like and the colors and the gameplay of it to then put it on your face and then be 100% in that cockpit where it is all of a sudden just looking around, like, you know, suddenly like using the side windows of the uh, X-Wing, one of them I did a bombing run, right? And it was like, you know, I dropped the last bomb and I pull away and it's like, objective completed, you've done the thing. And I just did the look back over my shoulder out the back fucking window past my droid and saw the thing exploding. It was like, holy fucking shit. And you want to talk again about the dials and everything else of like, suddenly to have it where I, you know, it's doing whatever I'm looking at in the main screen and then literally look down and, pan the camera to see what's going on there and come back up it was incredible and it made me so carsick <laughs> and i've played a lot of places i've played a lot of vr in general including quest but like i always say like oh i have my vr sea legs now obviously dog fighting in zero g or whatever i think maybe push it a bit differently and but it was like <laughs> even it was that normal thing of doing it where i was like fuck, this is the definitive way to play. And I think I, I pushed into another mission doing it that way before I finally popped it off and sat there for a second. And it got my wits back about me. But I was like, wow, this is so fucking cool. By the way, there's been no ga- Star Wars game before that has made me realize how dumb it is that every ship just has a windshield. Just like a glass windshield. <laughs> like, because it cracks in this game. It's like, it does, wait yeah. a second, what happens if I get so early? Again? So <laughs> early. It's, it's like, so funny. If this breaks, what happens to me? Yeah, how's the sound in the game? It's I think it's great. Yeah, Yeah, like again, like I'm coming at this at such a casual Star Wars fan perspective, but the lasers are the laser sounds, right? And the orchestra score sounds like Star Wars, and you know the Empire talking with British accents, and (laughs) there's a bunch (laughs) of crazy aliens and droids beeping and booping at me. Like it felt like it for me. But like specifically, Greg, you playing in VR, how immersive? did it sound like are you hearing I, ships on your side and you're like oh shit it's over here i didn't put on the full set headset for it like i just i put on my headset and i didn't use my my cans i just left it on the sound bar in my living room so i can't speak to that in terms of special spatial audio but like in terms of like like you know back to when it works right and again like even me being casual star wars and not even a flight dog fighting shooter kind of guy like going through as the x-wing right and hearing that like like you're you're getting the sound that you expect and again to i think what they accomplished of taking a 
complicated control scheme and boiling it down to a controller that works in the way they teach you. Like having that sound, you know, I'm getting chased by a missile. I use circle to throw out whatever I'm using as my way to stop the missile behind me. I'm not even sure, mm. but I do it. And then as I'm going towards an asteroid, right? Like just roll it to the left and do this perfect spin to come right out through the hole. Like, there are so many mo moments in there where you're like, fuck, this feels like the movie. This feels like something you'd see the Millennium Falcon do. Awesome. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I even to to talk about the sound design a bit, right? Like, I mentioned earlier that the combat is pretty satisfying. And I think a big part of that is the the sound design of the lasers. Like, the, hearing the lasers shoot out your ship and then, you know, explode another ship, that I, I think that goes a long way into making the combat feel good. Yeah. um and then yeah like the score obviously i don't think i don't know if there's been a star wars game that hasn't had a, a good soundtrack but yeah like this this falls in that falls in that line in terms of it's a really good star, a star wars score i'd say like it sounds very star wars yeah i think and that's the again back to what's interesting about this game and you know obviously i always talk about being a story whore that's what i play these games for like that's not what this game is built for, I don't think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you that, and I, there's spoilers involved with it, so we won't in general, but like the two protagonists, or the protagonist and the antagonist for the rebels and for the empire, like, I, I vaguely remember their name. I kind of remember, I remember their relationship, but it's like, I don't, who cares? Cause it, it's meant to be like when I'm in the game and I'm running around or flying around and shooting shit that it feels good and it feels like Star Wars. Yeah. And it, I think that like, that's an interesting, uh, thing for them and for ea in general right of like here's a 40 dollars star wars title which i think doesn't limit expectations but it does put expectations at a lower degree than asking for the full 60 right or next year next yeah. year 70 yeah. that like, feels like that it was based on like they had a vr star wars thing for battlefront one i want to say like yeah. it's dlc and it that. feels like they went they saw that idea it was like what if we built this on the back of motives battlefront to work it just like made a smaller experience that was still like it still felt fun, but it was not necessarily like the big Star Wars game everyone thinks like they want from this sort of thing. Sure, because honestly, that would have been prohibitively expensive and probably sold about the same as saying this will. This is a there is a story campaign, but I feel like the end at the end of the day, this game is meant to be a multiplayer title. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, like the campaign very much to me feels like a tutorial that is setting you up to go play multiplayer, which I'm definitely I'm definitely fine with because I felt like it 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 feels very necessary. Like going, I, like still on mission five, I still feel yeah. like there's more I need to learn and 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 grapple with and understand. Uh, and so I think they did a good job with that. And yeah, I think the forty dollar price tag I think does this game such a favor because playing this game like sixty dollars, I think I'd start to question like, all right, yeah, like it could use some content here and there oh man i wish the story is a bit, like was a bit uh, had a bit more involvement into what i was actually doing and like i could make certain complaints at 40 dollars, this feels like a steal almost like this feels like a a full quality experience granted like that, that i have had some glitches that i feel like or some bugs that feel like they might be day one patch type stuff but like yeah, i've had like a numerous hard crashes at this point oh really I, yeah i've been having a weird re uh, recurring one where Basically, if I put my Xbox on like sleep mode or whatever and come back to the game later, if I boot it up, everything will be fast forwarding. Like everything is just super fast for no reason. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to restart my game. And I'm like, that must Hyper be speed. something that's, that's fixed in the day one patch. Unless it's a feature. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not realizing that. Like, uh, yeah, in terms of like glitches and bugs, the only one I had, and I reported it today during multiplayer mode to the folks who were on for motive, was in this is such a small thing, but I guess maybe just be careful, unlike me, is that again, for this, we had to be at level five in multiplayer. So last night I hit level five and it, they did like bonus XP for the day or whatever. So it like pushed me to level six. And I was like, fuck, perfect. I'm ready to 
to go. And I turned it off. I think I played Avengers for a while and I went to bed. And so then this morning, turned it on, went in to do it, and it was level four again. And I was like, oh, man, must be a weird like server thing, whatever. It's not out to the public. Played another one of the uh, you know fleet battles, got it to level five in, in, into six again. And then I noticed up here it said it had a countdown clock on when it was going to kick me back to the main menu. And here it was like in the middle of the screen, you know, leveling up, showing all the unlocks and shit. And it said fleet battle, uh, yeah, fleet battles unlocked or whatever, or dogfights unlocked. And I was like, fleet battles, whatever. Awesome, cool, it's done. And I hit circle for quit. And it said, are you sure you want to quit? And I said, yes. And I went back out and I was level four. And I was like, that's an oversight that I have to sit there on this thing <laughs> counting down to the main menu. And if I quit, so I had to do the fleet battles again, got to level five, let it go to the main menu. It, it saved my progress finally. And I jumped in and I reported to them like, thank you. Thank you for telling us. We'll look into it. So it's like not a glitch, just a weird messaging thing or whatever. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm really interested in how this game scores and then what the reaction is. Cause I think the, I think $40 is a steal for it. I think there's so much TLC in it. You know what I mean? There are a bunch of maps to go play on. However, there are only the two modes. There is the mode of dogfight, and there is the mode of fleet battles. And I feel that... I, I have not gotten to try a dogfight multiplayer match. By the time I was able to get in after Games Daily today, they were already done trying those out on multiplayer, which, again, mm -hmm. is not you know what the real servers will be. So let's see how that all works out on launch day. But I did some practice runs, and it's dogfighting, right? So we're just killing each yeah, other. Great. It's, it's like death the deathmatch. Yeah. Which sounds like fun. Great, cool. Uh, and then fleet battles that we've already explained. I do wonder if people will not run out of content, or but just run through that so quick that they're like, eh, like I need a new map. I need a new thing. And I think that a roadmap would help with that from Motive if they were like, hey, it's launch, and guess what? Every month you're getting a new map, and we're working on a mode for four months from now or something like that. I could mm -hmm. be totally wrong because, again, to what we're talking about, this is a game that, I would say is easy to pick up and understand how to fly and what you're doing, but difficult, you know, the mastery of this and you build your own loadouts and, you know, you're earning in-game currency. There's no microtransactions with real money. You earn in-game currency that you can then apply for cosmetics that you can then use to unlock new auxiliary weapons and new engines and new chassis and all these different things that you are really going in there and changing and making the ships your own, that the way you have your own thing. But I do wonder if the combat will be enough for your squad or if you would be wanting more. Hey, how long did the fleet battles take you, like, per match? When I was playing with people or alone? Either way. Alone, like, there's a 30-minute countdown for fleet battles when it was versus AI. In uh, playing them alone, and again, not, I think, as I already stated earlier, not fully understanding I should be switching ships and shit like that. They were taking, I would say, I usually ended, I would say, 20 minutes, maybe somewhere yeah. in there. And, and that felt long, but again, remember, it feels long to me probably because I'm fucking it up. <laughs> where i'm like god damn it i'm doing this level five battle again trying to get to where i need to be like it also i i didn't enjoy playing the ai a lot i i i, I went the multiplayer i got to do for fleet battles today was infinitely more fun than playing the ai and so i, I really wish the servers would have been turned on from the start so we could have gone in earlier and had a populated server which is a different argument but like Going through and playing fleet battles, and you know, even though we did, we weren't on comms and stuff because it was similar to this crossplay. We're all just playing on different things. It was cool though to get killed and then see the kill cam and see how you know Brad Shoemaker saw me coming through and got me and brrr, took me down that way, right? And all these other other little things like that. Like that was w infinitely more fun, I thought, than playing just the AI. How long were they yeah. taking you? Sorry, the AI battle took for like it took a good 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, this is way too long. But then like, yeah, actually playing with people, I was like, okay. People kind of know what they're doing, so this is not taking nearly as long. Everyone's going through it like usually it didn't exchange phases like four or five times. It 
once it was on one phase, people usually got their objectives done. So like yeah. my advice to people who are trying this out and like going into this multiplayer, don't judge the early part because it does mm -hmm. it does take way longer with AI than you would think. Yeah, I would say for sure. Yeah, the the human multiplayer matches went way faster. And again, when I was playing, one of the teams just beat the living shit out of us. Right. And it's, again, I think this is an interesting question I'd like to pose to you guys. Do you feel that is this going to fall into the same kind of camp Evolve did where I can see if everyone's on mic, if everyone's there, it's us five playing another group of five, we're going to have a great time. But at launch, you're just a Star Wars fan and you jump into a random battle and nobody's on mic or one person's on and they're saying racist stuff. Like, it's like, I feel like the experience might fall apart because it's going to get into that thing of like, dude, shoot the shoot the shield generator. Like when you finally get the sh you know the shields down on the destroyers and you can go in there, they have specific things you can take out so they can't do things. So you can take out their shields so they can't shield again. You can take out their weapons so they can't or their targeting system so they can't target you. Like I feel like you need to communicate that to have the best experience. But I don't know if without it you'd have the worst. Yeah, I. It's one of those things of. Theoretically, people should be playing their roles. So, if, like, if you're an A-wing, you should be dogfighting. If you're a Y-wing, you should be bombing more. But I don't know that people are going to know that, or they just yeah. be like, mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. A-wing because A-wing is cool. And just that's play that. Picture. Yeah, it is. That's that's kind of the the rough thing with this one is that like there's <laughs> there, there's certain moments where I was like, man, okay, I could see some like some like Overwatch in here, some like Rainbow Six in here in terms of like, oh yeah, like it's five v five and everybody's playing their roles and doing all these different things. There is, I do think this is going to be more of a niche Star Wars game, especially compared to like Battlefront and, and things like that. Like this game just feels like there's so much more to it in terms of the the depth and how much work it kind of takes to understand how to play the game. And I think that's going to end up cutting so many people off. Um, yeah. But then also, yeah, like I think once you, once you have uh, people just jumping in, like just to casual matches or whatever, like jumping into uh, into random matches with other people. I think you will have a lot of that frustration of people just not knowing how to play and then having that tension of like, I'm only going to play with people who know how to play this game. And then it gets into the thing of, all right, how many of my friends are playing Star Wars Squadrons that know how to play? And then I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can see how you end up there of like, all right, yeah, I'm only going to play this with people I know. And that means I'm barely playing this because who do I know that's really into Star Wars Squadrons? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, this is one that you know Discord servers are kind of designed for because I do yeah. think that the people the people who are going to be into this are going to be into this, and like I think you're going to see that's the kind of shit where again, like I will never be that good, right? And I'd love to do a kind of funny five of us versus the AI and see what's up, but like I really do feel that if you let this cook a little bit, like you're going to see on stream some really cool fucking battles of people yeah. who are going back and forth and figuring it out. Like I want to get a Hotas and play this game because like that it seems like it would be more fun with that and like put on the or connect the Oculus and play it in VR with a, yeah. a flight stick. But then that sounds like at some point that seems am I the only one who's gonna do this? And if so, is that crazy? But also like <laughs> it's Star Wars, it seems fun. Let's get. Crazy, I want to do that baby. so badly as well. Same. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that in VR, man. Like that so sounds like the perfect experience to have this game in a flight stick in VR. Oh my bless, god. Bless. If I can figure out that setup, you can come over and play. 100% yes. I'm there. <laughs> to wrap this up, what do you guys in the final moments predict the scores are going to be tomorrow when they go live? Here's the thing is I don't think you're going to see a lot of scores tomorrow. A lot Got of in it. reviews, I think. Or in yeah. progress. A lot of in reviews. A lot of reviews in progress tomorrow, I think. And that's what makes it so hard to say. Because even for us today, I know that there were plenty of people. Because 
the way this worked again in COVID land, right, is that at 9.30, a presentation started for Mo uh, Motive, and we were all watching with, like, a, a chat window over here. And then throughout the day, the thing was off. It was just running, like, controller layouts, if you wanted to know. And then chat was still going. And you'd see people in chat being like, hey, I'm getting this very specific connection error. Okay, what's uh, this is what's happening, or blah, blah, blah. And it was, like, me in there being like, I can't get past level five. <laughs> but, like, in terms of playing, I didn't have any disconnects, but who knows what's going to happen. So, like, that's the real big question. I think if everything flawlessly ran like it did for me which again on playstation i didn't have those hard crashes i just had that weird leveling thing which i think is just an oversight that could be fixed easily i would think 85 like on metacritic i feel like right there in that like this yeah. is a really great game that has a lot going for it and again i think it's going to speak to a very specific audience a very hardcore audience but even me somebody who like, if this is, like, I feel like back in 2007 when Roper would just toss me random-ass PSP games to review, and I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Like, even me, somebody who's like, man, like, not my cup of tea, but I'm super impressed with it. Like, I think it's really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there, like, as someone who is part of the, the audience this game is going for of people who played the old games, people who like Star Wars, they want to, like, put on headphones that have Star Wars sounds made at them. Like, this is a very ideal game but it's like a strong eight. Like it's not like the story is not going to blow you away. You're not going to be in there. This is not the, yeah. like if Jedi Fallen Order made you feel like a Jedi, this doesn't necessarily make you feel like a rebel pilot in that same power mm -hmm. fantasy, mm -hmm. but it does a good job of approximating that idea. And I think it gets close enough that I, I can go like, okay, you're, you're not breaking the bank, but also you're not like overcharging me on microtransactions or making a $60 game. So I'm mm -hmm. fine with what you're doing here. Yeah, yeah I agree. Good. I think I I think it'll land at eights. I think I could also see some sevens based on like it does that that VR element to it where it feels like it was made to be a VR game that was taken out and then put uh, put out as a console game. I think that could rub some people the uh, not the wrong way, but make people go like, all right, yeah, we could we could see you guys cutting certain certain corners with this stuff. In the, in but the then you're gonna mode. have it. I think that, but I think on that level, then you're gonna have nines where it'll be like upload VR and the people who are in yeah. that VR community who are Metacritic graded coming on and be like holy yeah. shit like this that's is a really good point like uh, like a vr review for this game i think would be fascinating especially if like hopefully most people don't get sick with it uh like if that ends <laughs> up being <laughs> like if anybody gets sick then it's like okay maybe this isn't gonna be the nines but like and if, again if, this if, is if it works, sick because you're doing loop-de-loops out there and barrel rolls you know what i mean like yeah. in the like it's all around you i couldn't get away I, from it and i don't I like roller coasters yeah. i get disoriented just on a screen with this game i think vr is just gonna push that way out to the different yeah. yeah but i mean this seems like it could be like a fantastic vr game like that's a, that's the thing i'm dying to experience with this game and so yeah on that side i could see like maybe nines but uh i think for what it is and also for i if I had a biggest complaint with this game, it probably would be lack of content. Like I, I, I mm -hmm. do. Sure. I would like more modes. I, I didn't see all the maps or whatever. But like even for the, this game and, and maps isn't is is interesting because like, um, it, it feels like you're just in space. Like if it, it's not really like a Call of Duty where it is like okay, different paths, different things here. Like it, it does really feel like all right, yeah. The this map is. Uh, an orange planet in the background and then a big ship in the middle that's blocking you <laughs> and it's like all right cool like how, mu how much variation can you have there um but i think like little things like that might bring it down to sevens from certain places but i am expecting eights well we'll find out soon ladies and gentlemen but until then this has been the kind of funny games cast thank you very much for watching uh we'll be back next week but if you want to stay and get some more we're about to do the patreon exclusive post show for people Ooh over at patreon.com slash kind of funny games but if you're not going to do that, till next time, I love you.